This is More Than Before with Nathan Cook. Hey everyone, welcome back to another great episode. I'm excited for our guest today. He has been a really good friend of mine since the beginning of my coaching and speaking career. He has been a confidant. He has been a butt kicker of my limiting beliefs in my life. He is an incredible business coach. He is the owner of Culture by Design. He's a proud father of five incredible children. And he is also the host of the Frustrated CEO podcast, which you can find uh, on any major platform. So make sure you go and find him, which I highly recommend checking out. Patrick Lyons, my good friend, welcome to the show. How are you today? I'm fantastic. Thank you. And thank you for that. It's, I'm excited to be here. For a very long time, you have told me I needed to do something like this. You're one of those guys in, in the back of my head saying, just jump. It'll be okay. Not everyone's going to hate you. Maybe you're snickering in the back. I don't know. <laughs> but I finally did it. It's really exciting. We've had some amazing guests. And I have been looking forward to this time to spend with you because you have such a really great story. Um, you have highs. You have lows. And you have some really relatable moments that I think a lot of people can relate to. Now, if I remember correctly, you grew up in New Jersey, right? As it, that, that's where you kind of hail from? I did. I did. Grew up in New Jersey. Spent, <clears throat> spent the first 30-ish years of my life there. Um, met my wife, started my family, started my career. And we've slowly migrated wow. west over the last 20 years. And luckily, you can't go any further west. Unlike, um, unless, I mean, technically, you could. You could cross the ocean. Well, I was just, or, or just get a houseboat, and then we could. That's, <laughs> that's, yeah. I like that, actually. I've, yeah. I've not heard that answer before. Maybe a houseboat might be in your near future. <laughs> yeah. yeah. In terms of childhood, what was childhood like for you? Like, where, where were you in the pecking order of the family? What were family dynamics like? Um, you know, because... You, most people that would see you, uh, you know, just from a distance, they would go, oh man, he's really put together. must've had a really perfect, amazing life. Good looking dude. Like, obviously life just went the right way for him. Uh, tell, tell us a little bit about your upbringing. What was life like, uh, you know, with your family? Yeah, you, you nailed it perfectly. Everything went super swimmingly. Um, yeah, no, not at all. I almost felt like you were talking about somebody else there. So I, I'm the, the, I'm the, the younger of two in my family. Uh, my family was uh, very close. I, I thought, um, I think, you know, as, as we've all aged, uh, just as, as the world seems to have gotten smaller, my family is not as concentrated. When I was younger, we only had one relative who didn't live in the state of New Jersey and everybody else seemed to, you know, very concentrated holidays were big. Everybody got together as we've all aged, we've all spread out, you know, even some now living in England and some living in, you know, South of New Jersey in different States and some are still there. But, um, I, I, you know, if I had to describe what growing up was like, and I almost feel like it's, it's maybe a little foreshadowing into where our conversation might go. I learned at an early age that it didn't really matter how, how, uh, how chaotic, uh, how much chaos was happening in the house, uh, or how much chaos might be happening in, in the family or, um, <clears throat> you know what, and that it just could be the struggles of life, the struggles of, of career. Uh, it didn't matter what chaos was going on. You just had to put on a happy face and put on a good facade. And so when, when people would ask, Hey, how are you? I learned to say, I'm good. I'm good. We're good. Everybody, everything's good. And I learned that 
just in in my family. You know, it's not to fault my parents necessarily. It's, I think that's where I learned it from. They they learned that from their families, right? It, it was always um, just about, you know, having a good look on the outside and not necessarily letting people know that, man, we got some stuff, just like everybody else. Mm -hmm. So no more, I don't, maybe no more stuff than everybody else had going on. I think that's probably where I learned at an early age that you hide the, the dysfunctional parts of you and you just put mm. on a happy face and you tell everybody you're good. In the world that we live in today, where there's so much social media, there's there's all of there's this vi virtual facade that we have. It's very rare to find people that have that transparency. That's one of the things I've always loved about you is whenever we're having a conversation, and and if you ever had the opportunity to have a conversation with Patrick, whether as a client or whether you know just you pass him by at a at a coffee restaurant, you know coffee restaurant that's a weird thing at a coffee place or at a restaurant you know don't stop him in the middle while he's eating like hey you're patrick lyons I, I've, I've been wanting to talk to you no you I could mean, they could I, uh, yeah but what, that's one of the things i really love about you is this honesty of who he is because so much of life is wrapped up within the fluffiness i, I love that you say growing up people would ask you you know how are you doing and the answer was always the same like oh i'm doing great we we have that constantly even in our day-to-day -day lives today of we pass by people and we say hey how are you doing and they oh yeah everything's great when deep down inside their world is just completely falling apart yeah one of the one of the amazing things that happens in life is when you find and meet someone that you just think is absolutely awesome and you think man this person completes me they're they're like everything that I'm not. And so we're just going to be absolutely great together. Uh, you and Dana have been married for 26 years, if I'm not correct, which is crazy to think about. And a lot of people that would look at that would go similar to your background that we talked about just now. Like they might look at that from a distance. We hear someone, you've been married for 26 years. We don't meet too many people that have been married for that long. We immediately assume, oh man, their marriage must just be absolutely spectacular, all dandelions and roses, never an issue, never an argument, never a fight. What was some of your findings early on in your marriage that you go, man, maybe I might be the most messed up person in this marriage <laughs> Amen. To, to kind of getting near to where you are now, you know, 26 years later, how has your identity shifted and changed? Because I think a lot of a lot of young people and even older people that get married, they have no idea what they're getting into because now you are in a melting pot with another person. You still have to hold your identities, but now you have to understand that you come together. What, yeah. what was that like for you? Well, it, it's a great question. And you can imagine how, how set up to fail we were when even if just one partner came into the relationship believing that you had to hide the chaos and just put on a happy face and say, I'm good. Uh, even if just one partner has, has, has that kind of baggage, right. Or that misunderstanding it's, it's, uh, it's, it's just a, it's a lie. Uh, but if one partner has that, you're, you're, you're going to struggle, but it's even worse. It's exponentially worse when both partners coming into the relationship basically have that, that same kind of approach. And that was, that was Dana and me, that was us. You say like, no, no, all dandelions and roses. We were the, for the first six and a half, seven years, we were the, the picture perfect couple. Uh, we were the, we were the couple that we, like we did all the hosting. Everybody would come to our house. We were the fun couple. We both 
We like to bring a lot of fun. We like to make a lot of people laugh. We like to serve others. And so we would bring all that, never fought. I mean, I, I, I remember hearing as we were, again, it's not foreshadowing, as we were almost going through divorce after seven years, um, which is shocking when you hear that first part. <clears throat> but uh, as we were doing that, as we were headed towards divorce, I remember couples that would call us that were like, they were shattered because we were the role model couple. We were the, mm. the ones that they thought, would, like they would follow in our footsteps. But neither one of us, we both came into the relationship, we like to say broken, right? Which I think, again, we all are. Like we all grow up with our baggage. We, we both come into a relationship with baggage and peace ultimately comes, peace in life and certainly in a relationship comes from um, unpacking those bags together. But we, we kind of had this silent agreement. Like I won't ask about your baggage if you don't ask about mine. You know, we're both hiding it behind our backs and thinking that that would work. And, and ultimately it's, it, I mean, it, a long story short, it didn't. And here we were basically meeting with attorneys, um, just waiting for the other person to serve, right? To, so I was waiting to be served. She was waiting to be served. And through that whole time, I, I'll, I'll say this, it's a faith thing. We both felt like there was a lot of work for us to do in, in ministry, a lot of ministry work for us to do with other couples, um, with individuals, Right, unpacking those bags and reshaping those those lies and labels that we believe. We felt like there was a lot of work for us to do, but it also felt like we had to do that work our, ourselves first. And mm. because we weren't doing it and we were we weren't prepared to do it individually, right? Not even me working on her or me working on us, just me working on me and her doing the same thing. Because we hadn't done that, we were incapable of helping anybody, let alone even ourselves. Um, so... Uh, for us, it was it. It really is only by the grace of God that we're still together. Again, long story short, what changed for us was each realizing, uh, kicking and screaming, but realizing that we had to do the mirror work. I call it the mirror work, instead mm. of the hammer work, where I'm gonna hit you over the head with a hammer and try to make you change. There's a lot of mirror work that each of us had to do to confront those old lies and labels, um, to confront old behaviors, to rebuild a lot of trust. And eventually, I think as as each of us started to unpack those bags, we had more grace for each other. Uh, we had more mm. understanding about how our thinking got us, how our, you know, the, the stinking thinking, as they say, got us to where we were and how, and some of the work that we needed to do to, to get out of it so that we ultimately could help people like we always wanted to. I love that because so many people think that they have to have everything together in order to have an impact to, to be able to speak life into, you know, another couple or a friend or anything like that. And, and, and the reality of it, yes, you do have to be working on yourself. You can't, you can't ask someone to go somewhere that you have never been willing to go yourself, right? That, that's the coward's way of doing it. That's not leadership. Leadership is going first and saying, you know what? Uh, I suck in marriage. I have not been a great husband. I've not been a great spouse, but here's what I've been working on. Here's, here's what I have been doing. And all of a sudden that person goes, Oh wow, Patrick's not perfect. Nathan's not perfect. There is hope for me. And yeah. then that gives them permission to actually start working on themselves. And I, I love that about this because 
you know, you, you, you kind of have two different sides of the, of the same coin of like, man, I, I really want to help these people, but I'm not working on myself. And then there's the other side of things where, man, we're doing really, really great because we have been doing the work. We have been helping each other out, but we're not helping other people. Right. And so there, there is this piece of coming together and working on this. I, I love the, I love this idea of unpackaging things together. Because you're right, we do come to relationships with all of this extra crap, and it's like, man, what are we, what are we gonna do with this? Like, and most people, they, you know, a couple, they, they both have their own closets, and then they pack it full of their own stuff, right? And then they say, hey, I love you, you're amazing. Don't go in that closet. That's right. Just don't touch it. Don't even go around it. That's right. And they make this nonverbal agreement to never go towards these things. And what's interesting to me, obviously you have to build up to this point of trust, right? Because you don't just come out with, you know, all of your dirty laundry and go, hey, check it out and throw it in their face. There is this building up that I, I see like this baggage in a room, like a living room. And each one of you has your baggage. You lay it out and you say, hey, I need to, I, I want to discuss this with you. Yeah. And I think this is the ugliest part about me. And uh, I don't like this, and I just need you to understand that. But I I need to work through this with you because yeah. you are my trusted partner in life. And what's interesting, and and you can disagree with this if you think so, but I'm curious if if you do agree with this. I have found that my worst parts of myself, my spouse either already knew, or she's way more forgiving of me and my deficiencies than I have ever been. Absolutely, 100%. By laying it on the floor, she has allowed me to become better. Has that that been similar in your guys' relationship? Absolutely. We we think we're doing a great job of hiding our, our, um, I don't want to say, like you said, maybe the worst parts of ourselves from other people. Our shortcomings. Our shortcomings. But we're we're really, we're not, especially when you spend as much time together as you do in a, in a romantic relationship. Um, I mean, we see those things and, and, but there is something powerful about, I mean, it was something profoundly par- powerful. And I honestly believe it is something that all of us deeply craves. And that is to be fully known and still loved. So mm. to your point that, that, I mean, we like, who doesn't desire that? It's, 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 it's why we keep all those it's a great visual that you painted. It's why I keep all my baggage in the closet with the door locked and you're not allowed in there because if you saw that, you wouldn't love me. You wouldn't want to be here. You wouldn't stick around. You wouldn't, right? You'd, you'd make fun of me for it, whatever. You'd judge me for it. Mm-hmm. And so you don't have to do that. It's all in there. I'll do that for me. I'm going to, like again, I, that's why I'm hiding it because I'm ashamed of it or I'm embarrassed yep. of it. There is something profoundly powerful about taking out some of those bags and sharing some of those like yeah here's this is let's talk about my some things that i'm it it takes a a ton of trust but let's talk about some things that i'm embarrassed of or things i'm ashamed of or things that the lies that i've believed and how that has driven my behavior through the years and and doing that together i think the importance of it is is the together aspect because one person doesn't have the power over the other it's like look we to me baggage is the one thing that unifies all of us we all have it we all have it and to your point we all think our ours is the worst but when you start unpacking it with that person that you trust 
and you hear, yeah, that's okay. That's, yeah, that's, that's not as bad as you might think it is. Um, that's, there's something profoundly wonderful and powerful about being, you know, as we like to say, being naked and unashamed, naked and unafraid. Mm -hmm. This is me. This is the best and the worst. And, and hearing somebody say, yep, and I still choose you. It's, it's really, it's amazing. It really is. There's, there's such a powerful, like for you, for those of you listening, like one of the things that you've already found about Patrick, he is, he is so transparent. He does go super deep and he really does want people to be fully known even in their worst light. That's what, I, that's what's so amazing about what he's talking about. But what's interesting too is this wasn't an overnight thing. It wasn't like he, you know no. he's he he didn't wake up coming out of the womb and go guess what I'm gonna I'm just gonna love everyone and everyone's gonna be you just share your baggage with me I'm gonna share my baggage with you. it it didn't happen that way it has been a very long process I love how you talk about your identity within your marriage because I think so many people have their identity in their marriage and if their marriage isn't perfect their entire life is gonna blow up. And so there's, there's a piece for some people right now that are thinking, man, my marriage isn't perfect. I don't think I could actually share what's really going on, man. There's, there is some truth to this. There's another aspect of your story too, uh, that I really love that I want you to talk a little bit more about, you know, there's this aspect of your identity within the relationship of who you show up as mm. there was an identity for a number of years. And maybe this still kind of comes into play today, but, um, you know, Patrick, there was a certain point of me knowing you that things were on the rocks. You business was going nowhere. It felt like yep. um, you were burning through your reserves <laughs> through your life savings. Yep. Um, you're trying to build this business that you believe in and it feels like no one else is there with you. And then all of a sudden you're getting notices that you're going to be losing your house. Like you got to understand to a man, to a guy, Providing for your family, being a provider is a huge identity piece. I don't care who you are. Yep. Providing for your family is an identity piece that every man wrestles with. And so I'm curious for you at this darkest point in your life where you don't feel like you are providing, where did you start to come to peace with that and releasing that? Because that was an identity that you had to let go in order to move on to where you are now today, where you're working with some amazing CEOs in their company. What was, what was that journey like for you to release that identity? Yeah, that's, um, <clears throat> and you, you, you describe that very accurately. I, so even, even my identity, whether it's, whether it's my identity in the relationship or my identity with my job, a lot of the work that, that for me, the mirror work, I said the, the mirror work, working on me has been trying to answer the question, who am I? Like, what, what do I bring to the table? Why am I here? Um, and I, I, again, I feel like that's a question that the overwhelming majority of us want an answer to and ask. Maybe there are some who don't, but I think the overwhelming majority of us want to know, who am I? What do I do? Like, what, mm -hmm. why am I here? What's my purpose? What's my why? Um, <clears throat> and again, I think some of it came out of nurture, you know, what, I, what I learned growing up that um that you had to hide the 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 chaos you had to hide the brokenness and and so y your identity was a facade your identity wasn't real it was it was you know it was an act um it was another then, thing you put together 
Yeah, exactly. You, you can't, you, as, as if the negative parts of you were your identity and you couldn't, you couldn't, right? it, it wasn't, that wasn't good enough to be, um, to be shown, right? To be, dis, to be on display. So you had to put on a facade. And then to your point, and I'm, I think some some of it may be cultural. I think it is changing, but early in my career, and and I think even in our society, right, the measure of a man often is their title, or their their bank account, or you know, to your point, their ability to provide for their family, owning a house. I think it's changing. I think um, now there there is more equality, and that's awesome. But I started out doing really well in my career. I, you know, I started out, I didn't launch my own business until 2011. Uh, Mm. so I, I, I was climbing the corporate ladder as an employee. I was progressing up. I was, I did have the title. I did have the income. I did have all of the things that I, I, all I did, it just reinforced that I was good, right? That I had this really good identity because look at the things that I have, the, the things I've accomplished. It was the accomplishments and the, 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 yeah. the tangible and intangible accomplishments. Um, when that stuff gets stripped away one by one, right? when the title is gone, when the money begins to go, when the house is, is at risk, right? When all of these things that you think are the measure of who you are, or at least I thought, they were the measure of who I am. As those things begin to get stripped away one by one by one, uh, you are, uh, it, when, when your identity has been tied up in those things, you begin to think that you, right, that uh, there is no value. There is no, like you're, you, you're nothing. Um, mm. And the opposite is actually true. It's, it's here's, this is the journey through that, that time that you're talking about. As those things get stripped away, you realize um, now the distractions are gone. Like now I can no longer point to these things and say that's who I am because they were gone. So now I need a different answer to the question. (laughs) Okay, if that's not who I am, then who am I? And uh, for me, you know, that's that's where I I turned to my faith, um, having conversations with God to answer that question. But it isn't until all of those other things, for me, it doesn't work this way for everybody. I, I wish I could have gotten there in an easier path, but uh, it took those things being stripped away one by one um, before I was finally able to look in the mirror and try to answer the question, okay, if you're not those things, then who are you? And, and that, mm. was, that was definitely part of the journey. And I'll tell you, there's, it's a... It's a it's a terrifying, crippling experience um, having to answer the question, who am I, when all the things that you thought were the answer to that question are gone. Um, but it, in that quietude, in that solitude, that's where you really start to find the answers that make sense. Mm. I think it really does make sense. And I, I love one of the questions that you were, that you were throwing out here. You know, what are the distractions that keep you, and I'm adding this, what are the distractions that keep you from being fully known mm. of who you are, right? Because we, we do put on these facades, we put on all these different things, these different layers to kind of hide ourselves to go, well, you know, this isn't the greatest part of me. Let me just put my best foot forward. We're all trying right. to put our best foot forward. 
but that doesn't connect us together. That's not the, that's not the connecting piece. It's in our brokenness that we're able to connect with other people. And there's, there's something about this to really understanding what are those things in your past? What are those things currently right now in your life that are keeping you from fully being known? Now, you know, obviously there's, there's, you know, a small disclaimer. You don't just go out and start airing your laundry to everyone, right? There's, right. You, you gotta, you gotta be a little bit more tactful than that, but there is something about really getting down deep and understanding, doing the work, right? We talk about doing the work and we're not talking about the type of work that, you know, you're going to go out and you're going to read a hundred books and you're going to listen to this podcast and you're, it's not about doing Right. I remember at one point you and I were talking, we were in a coffee shop and I said, you know, people need to stop buying programs. I'm sick of every single coach with their program of this is their 12 step process that they're going to do. And at the end of the day, we need to get back to the understanding of the person of who they are. And yeah. the only way you can do that is you got to do the internal work. Mm -hmm. You got to, you, you know, I've heard it over and over. And many of you guys listening have heard it over and over. You got to get down deep down into the dirty work of writing things out. What's, what are some of those limiting beliefs that are holding you where you are? Right. You know, there's, there's been, um, we've had, we've had conversations around God and, uh, kind of your upbringing in, in terms of organized religion and those kinds of things. And for a long time, that was a burden for you, right? Like, I think I, if I remember correctly, uh, God was the, you know, the man with the stick in the, in the sky that if you did something wrong, bam, that's right. you're going to get beat over the head that changed though for you. I'm, I'm curious, what was that revelation? Cause we, cause we've talked about the relationship side of things with, with your, your fellow people, your, your wife specifically, we've talked about the relationship of who you are in terms of your work, but now there's this spiritual component. I think a lot of people are searching for spiritual truth and identity within religion. And we're not talking organized religion, we're talking about relationship, right? What was that process like for you? Where, where did you start? And then where are you now? Yeah, that, uh, when I grew up, again, whether, whether it was intentionally taught this way or whether it's just what I perceived, I'm open to the fact that maybe it was just how I interpreted things. Um, Religion was a reason to exclude people, right? That's mm. what I learned. I learned that it was, you know, if you're not in the club, you're out, right? And, um, and, and, and it didn't resonate with me, uh, I think, as, as I got older and more people who were on the outs uh, that I met that I thought, well, these are really good people. These are amazing people. To me, I, I've always, I, I believed at the time, and now I'm convinced that um, faith is a reason to include people. It's, it's the exact opposite. Mm. But while I was on this, in these early days when I thought, you know, God is, uh, if, if you're not in the God club, you're on the outs, um, then I didn't want anything to do with that. And I left mm. my faith for a good period of time. And in order to come back, amazingly, so I, I, the way I often describe it is during that period, I was God. Uh, it was all about me. You know, it was all about uh, what could I get? Um, how could I, uh, whether it was accumulate more or accomplish more or, um, but everything was in, it was really all for me. It was just a, a really, and, and by the way, I got married during that period. That's that overlap of, um, you know, it's all about me. I'm, um, 
um, why. It really was a search for significance. It was a search for my own identity and, and to validate me as good, what everything I could accomplish. But um, because it was all about me, that period, I mean, my life spiraled out of control. And I was the classic, everybody says this, but I really mean it. I was the classic prodigal son. Um, and, uh, you know, I was the one that um, even during that period when my life is spiraling out of control, um, I I kept thinking, you know, I, I think I want to reestablish a connection with my faith, but I can't because look at me, I'm a mess. I have to clean myself up first. Classic mm. prodigal son story. Um, and unfortunately, that only keeps you in the chaos and dysfunction longer than just throwing your hands up and saying, yeah, I, I can't do this. I'm a, uh, I need help. I need to do it differently. Um, for me, hitting my own rock bottom, which I, I often say rock bottom is a great place because that's when change happens. And everybody's rock bottom is different. Uh, but the change well, it's, also, it's me, also a good place to build from, right? Because unless you get down to the bare bones of, of those things where everything is removed, like what you were talking about before, you can't build. It's all just going right. to wash away. That's right. And so so what that looked like for me, what reestablishing my connection with my faith meant I had to unlearn a lot that I had learned. I had to unlearn who I, who I thought God was. And, um, and then relearn, um, ask mm -hmm. a lot of different questions, look at things very differently. Um, and you know, that's still a journey. I think that's, I think those, most people on that journey will tell you that journey never ends. Um, trying to learn who God is. Um, but I think I, what I ultimately learned is that my understanding of him was very, it was wrong. It was flat out wrong. Mm. And that he is all about including people. And, um, you know, there's, there is, there's, there's no club, right? It's just, if you walk the planet, my job is to be a light in your darkness. That's like, my job is to show up and impact you in a positive way. And, um, so go, going back to us, I was talking about earlier, looking in the mirror and everything had been stripped away and trying to answer the question, who am I? Um, that's really where I, that's, that's ultimately where I went was, uh, in my reconnecting with my faith was asking God, all right, God, who am I? Um, you know, who did you create? I, and what the, you know what the great thing is, and I think this is again what keeps us in the in the chaos or, or having to put the facade on. One of the things I have become convinced, and it really was a catalyst for change for me, um, was learning that um, who you are, your identity, was it, so even if somebody doesn't have a, a faith connection, that's okay. You're you can still say that your identity like who you are is encoded into your DNA. And it, it has been ever since like conception. It's like, that's when the magic happens. When there's a faith, you can say it was decided before you took a breath, but either way, whether you do or don't, your identity is your identity. And there is nothing, this is what I'm convinced on. I'm convinced that there is nothing I can do to improve on my identity. And there's nothing that I can do to detract from my identity. What I can do every day is I get to decide how am I going to use it, right? It's like, it, it's like having a, a, I often refer to it as a, I have my toolbox 
and I bring my toolbox into every situation and I get to decide, do I wanna use those tools for myself, you know, to see what I can get? Do I wanna use those tools to impact you, or the person that I'm, I'm you know, sitting across the table or the other end of the phone? Or do I wanna leave the tools in the, in the toolbox today and, and just not use them at all? No matter what I do, I don't, I don't damage the tools. You can't, I can't enhance them or, or damage them. They just are. I'm convinced of that. And, and with that understanding, you can, you can begin to unpack some of those old bags and realize like those, there's a very diff, there's a very fine line between who I am, my identity, the tools in the toolbox and what I've done. Right. Mm. So I've done a lot of things that I'm not proud of. Those didn't diminish my, my identity. I might need to go like make some apologies and fix some things, but they didn't define me. And conversely, the great things that I did didn't enhance my identity. It was just me using my tools. Mm. Um, <clears throat> but they don't define me either. Like what defines me is the tools in the toolbox. I love that. You know, it's it's so good because it's true. Like deep down in your DNA and in, in our DNA, we were created to be very specific. We yep. are a, a highly precision machine that was built to operate in a very specific way. And so many people aren't operating in the way that they were created to be. And I love this idea of the toolbox. You know, I think, you know, I've, I've, I've heard it. I'm sure you've heard it often too. You know, you don't take a, you don't take a hammer to a house and go, I'm going to build this entire house with a hammer. It doesn't Correct. work, right? You, you actually need other tools specifically in your toolbox um, to build that house. Now, that being said, you're not a hammer. He said a toolbox, which means you've got multiple tools, multiple Amen. gifts at your disposal. You know, as you're talking about this, all I, all I could see was a, a jet ski on the water. Like if you've ever mm. been on a jet ski, maybe you haven't, but like if you've ever mm. been on a jet ski, they're like absolutely pure adrenaline, pure fun. Like you just, you, you crank down on it and you're going and you're going as quick as you can. And then you snap it to the side and like, you're trying not to fall off. Like they're absolutely a blast. Yep. That is life in itself, a blast, a fun ride. But here's the deal. Most people, they're taking their jet ski, their body, who they are, and they're saying, you know what? I've been built to go on a road trip. I'm going down Route 66, and it's going to mm -hmm. be the best, best time I've ever had. And they get on, they get on the pavement, and they're like, I just don't feel like I'm going anywhere. Yeah. I, know that, I know this is where I'm supposed to go. Like, I was, I was built for this. And they're not built for it. They, over the years, people have placed cardboard around them and they go, oh, look, you're, an, you're a 99 Chevy. Like you were built for the road. When deep down inside, you know that you are not a 99 Chevy. You are meant for the water. You are meant to play in the water. And so many people today are not living into who it is that they are. And that's what's causing them so much pain and anguish because they're trying to be something that they're not. Amen. Amen. You nailed that. I often say, right, to live a, a, a purpose-filled life, you don't have to be extraordinary. I know we think that, right? We think that like to make a world difference, we have to do these extraordinary things. You don't have to be extraordinary. You have to be ordinary to the fullest extent that you have been equipped to be, which means 
you got to use, you have to see and own and use every tool in your toolbox to the fullest extent that you were created to be. That's just ordinary to you. Don't try to be something that you're not. That every time I do that, again, to your point, that's where I'm, 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 I set myself up for disappointment or failure. You don't have to be anything more than you're not, but you damn well better not be anything less than you are. Right, that's not leaving those tool those tools in the toolbox. And I love what your analogy about the building the house. If I'm building a house, and right, and and I'm I'm I need to level something, and there's no leveler in my toolbox for me to try to to do leveling without a leveler in my toolbox. I might it might come out okay, might not for the first year. It might turn out okay. <laughs> right, exactly right. But it's you, you know it's not as good as it would be. If I knew somebody with a leveler and I could call them to say, hey, can you come over and, and take care of this for me? And that's the beauty of 7 billion people on the planet is everybody's got a different toolbox and everybody has different tools in the toolbox. And as, as I said, you don't have, I don't have to be a leveler when the situation calls for a leveler. I can get out of the way and create space for somebody with a leveler to come in and nail it, right? And and kill it mm -hmm. with that tool and and celebrate the 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 opportunity that they could step in and and shine. I think where we get into trouble is when I'm looking in my toolbox and I'm 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 it's one of my favorite sayings is comparison is the thief of joy. You you smile as if mm. you heard that. Comparison is the thief of joy. And I think it, I think it's uh, Teddy Roosevelt, but right, we look on social media and we see everybody else's car or house or family or meal, and you know they're only we're only we're, or I, I don't want to say they we all do it we're only posting the best, and I look at that on my side of the screen or my device and I it doesn't look as good as like I'm, what I'm having doesn't look as good as what you're having or or your tool I see pictures of you speaking or you've just launched this podcast and I don't have a podcast and therefore I'm not as good. Instead of celebrating, dude, you are exactly where you need to be and you're using the tools in your toolbox. That's amazing. That's fantastic. I've got different tools. I don't have to do that. I don't have to do anything more than what I was created to be. I just got to use mine every day. That's it. That's that's And you string enough days of staying in your sweet spot together that's an amazing life it really is I, I love that you talk about uh under being the best of your ordinary self that you are right because we always think oh you you've got to be the best patrick you've got to be the best otherwise you're never going to get noticed and actually no that's not really what it is you need to just be ordinary like to you and i when we look in the mirror we look ordinary right yes like i uh, I'm not as incredibly attractive as you are when you look in the mirror, but like when I look in the mirror, I'm like, dang, Nathan, you look really ordinary today. Good job. Mm -hmm. Good job. You don't look subordinary. You look right. ordinary. Yeah. But here's, here's the really cool thing about this of what you're talking about. And I, and I, going back to your level piece of like, you just need to be ordinary so that you can be the extra to someone else's ordinary. That's it. When you are ordinary to the fullest extent that you were created to be, it has an extraordinary impact on everybody around you. To you, mm -hmm. it's just, I'm just, this is just me doing me. So it doesn't feel extraordinary. That's okay. 
Just be that and it will have a profound impact. It's that light in the darkness that, that um, it's, that you'd said it exactly right. One of the things that I love about you, Patrick, and, and I, you, you guys haven't gotten to see the full ex- extent of this, but Patrick is like one of the snarkiest people. So sarcastic. And I love <laughs> it. I love it about him. Um, ever since I've known him, he's ha- kind of had this snarky demeanor. And it's been a way of... Um, uh, he, he uses it in such a disarming way to help people with where they are in their limiting beliefs. You know, like there have been times where I've said things to him and he says something snarky. And I know when he says it's snarky, he's joking with me. And I'm like, yeah, OK, like that's that's a load of hogwash what I'm saying. But one of the things that it, like it's really easy to go to the sarcasm, it's really easy to be uh, snarky. Um, and use that as a defense mechanism. I know at one point we had talked about this, that it has been a defense mechanism for you, but at a certain point you stopped using it as a defect, as a defense mechanism. And you started using it as a tool. You started using it as a tool to actually help people and moving forward than rather using it as a defensive piece to protect yourself. How, how has that come come about? Because we all have uh, these kind of defenses that come up to protect ourselves but when we look at it, if we were to actually flip it around and instead of using it as a defensive mechanism and use it more as, as a tool to help others, I think there are a lot of things that we could use from our, you know, maybe that wouldn't look so great on paper. We'll go, actually, you know, my sarcasm actually is a great way that I get to connect with people and disarm them. How, how has that been effective for you in terms of really leveling the play field, playing field with people to come in and, and be real? It's a great example of using the tools in your toolbox. So again, just be ordinary you, but using them to be a light in somebody else's darkness, to, to, um, to, to impact positively whoever you come into contact every day. The fascinating thing for me is, and it's exactly what you just said. It's such a, a great and profound question. I'm glad you asked it, Nathan. That 12-year period where my life was spiraling out of control, where I was God, where I was living for myself, it was all about me, I was using all the tools in my toolbox, but I was using them for myself. So it was, you know what I've heard my whole life? When I think about, if I can speak about this now, and it's not, I want, I want people to understand, to own the tools in your toolbox sometimes may sound to others like it's arrogance. Um, I never move with arrogance. I'd like, let me say never. I, I, I try so hard to remember I didn't put the tools there, right? Again, whether if it's a faith thing, then like you were commissioned with that toolbox the day you were born. If it's a, you know, if it's a science thing, again, these things are encoded into your DNA. Um, what I've heard my whole life. So it's not a, it's not an arrogance. It's a humble confidence. This is who I am. This is what I I'm here to do. And if there's anything that's not in my toolbox, I'm not going to try to be those things. I'm going to get out of the way and let somebody else do it. But for those 12 years where my life was spiraling, I was using all of the same tools. I was just using them for me. So some of the tools in my toolbox, what I've heard my whole life is I'm charming. I'm passionate. I'm persuasive. I'm, I'm, I love to make people laugh, right? The humor. I'm great at building trust so that people feel seen and heard and, and connected, right? Those are tools in my toolbox. 
and there are plenty of tools that I don't have. So that again, it's, I don't have to have them all. I just have to use the ones that are in mine. But now mm -hmm. you combine all those tools when you're living for yourself. And you know what I was really good at? I was really good at manipulating people, getting what I wanted, right? Passion and persuasiveness and charm and humor. I could get people to do what I wanted and it, and sometimes at the expense of them or what they needed mm -hmm. or what was right. So when I came out of that period and I'm staring in the mirror and asking, okay, who am I? All these other things have been stripped away. Who am I? I was terrified to use any of those tools because I didn't, I thought they were bad. I, because of how I had used them, I associated the tools as bad tools. They're amazing tools. They're great tools. It's, it's when I use those and I still have that choice and I can still fall into that trap today. When I use those tools to impact you, to be a light in your darkness, I keep coming back to that, but that's really, for me, that's almost like a, a, a my mantra is, okay, who can I be a light in the darkness to today? Because we all have darkness, right? In those mm -hmm. 12 years, I had people who, who were lights in my darkness. So who can I do that for? I'm using all the same tools, including the humor and the sarcasm. But instead of using sarcasm as a way to make me feel good, instead of using humor to disarm somebody so that I could then get what I wanted or needed, I now use that same gift, that same tool in the toolbox, but I use it to put people at ease. I use it to show them I am for them. I, I use it to maybe spotlight something that uh, that uh, that they need to see, but I but to do it out of right, uh, not in a judgmental way, but in a gentle way. You know, so when I hear the the negative thinking or the the you know the the negative behavior that just reinforces somebody's negative lies and labels. You know, the, the, the sarcastic joke or the, the, the phrase that comes to mind is, how's that working for you, right? Right, you know that's coming from a place of love. It's not coming from a place of judgment. So the, the point of all of that is, um, is it's the same set of tools. Every day I, I decide, every day you, who, you, Nathan, and everybody who's listening, you decide, you get to decide how am I going to use these tools? Am I going to use them mm. to, to impact people for, for good, to leave them better than they were when I found them? Or am I going to use them for myself? And when I use them for myself, it's going to come out in that sarcastic kind of, you know, negative kind of way. Yeah. I love it because, you know, it's, We've talked really about two different things. We all have these gifts. We all have these tools. And you can use these tools to build others up. We can use them as a gift to others. Or we can use them on ourselves, which eventually turns into more of a weapon. We're, we, we're, either building, we're either building a weapon to use against other people or we're using the tools that, and, we're, and we're building other people up around us. And, and if we were to realize that, how different would life be? How different would our world be if we realized that, man, this gift that I have to be able to communicate and connect with people, it's not to build up my ego and to make me sound amazing. It's, it's for me to be able to speak into someone's life and to help them out of a dark place. Similar to you, Patrick, you know, one of the things that I really think is amazing is the opportunity that you have been given to be able to speak into the lives of CEOs because CEOs don't have someone in their life that can speak truth. You know, a lot of CEOs, uh, they, 
have people around them that are afraid to say things to their face. And, you know, that's what's really great about you, Patrick, is you come in and you're able to be real with them to talk about some of these pieces. You know, you may start specifically working on their culture and on their business and and how do we get everyone moving in the same direction. But at the end of the day, you and I both know, we always talk about this, it comes down to them as a person and who they are. Yep. And how they're showing up as are they using the tools that have been, you know, either in there from the beginning of time, you know, when they were born at conception, or are they using the God given tools that were given to them? Whatever I- perception you have, they're both leading to the same place. Are you helping others? Or are you destroying them in the process? Patrick, I have one more question for you I want to ask. Okay. But before I do, I really want to encourage everyone, I want you to go and listen to Patrick. Go go check out his show, The Frustrated CEO. It's absolutely spectacular. It really is a great listen. You learn a lot of valuable nuggets through their discussions just by listening into the conversation. It's it's really a lot of fun just to hear. And you'll hear some of a some of his snarky comments here and there, but you'll see how he uses this as a gift and not as a weapon to beat someone over the head, but it, it truly does allow a conversation to blossom. Also, I want to encourage you, check Patrick out over at his website. You can, uh, you can check him out over at culturebydesign.com. Um, if you want to bring him in to work with your company, he's absolutely fantastic. Highly recommend him. He's one of the few coaches that I would publicly, like right now, say like, hey, you should, you should check Patrick out. He's the real deal. Patrick, uh, I want to lean into this idea of identity because you have worked with so many different people. You've worked with people that are high up at the CEO level that people like almost put them in a godlike position of like, well, they could never fail. You and I both know they're just humans, just like everyone else. Absolutely. Um, You know, there are so many people, whether the CEO or whether the mom with a couple children that's on her own trying to figure out this life. People right now are trying to figure out who they were created to be. Mm. You know, everyone, I love the book, uh, Start With Why by Simon Sinek. Great book, great read. I think a lot of people are trying to create their why right now and they have no idea who they are. And so they're creating these whys and they're completely misplaced because they're based off of an identity that isn't actually them. They, going back to that analogy, they, they believe that they are a, a 69 Chevy and they're not. They are a, a Ski-Doo that was meant exactly to be right. in the ocean flying over waves. So I, I'm curious, um, because there's so many people right now wrestling with their worth. I know this is something that you've wrestled with for a number of years in your life of who am I? What is my worth? What is my contribution in this life that I have that's so short? It's just a breath. I'm curious, how have you found peace in this journey of finding who you are and not defining your value based off of accolades, based off of what you've created in life, everything that you're doing? How have you found peace in just understanding who you are? And how does that show up today as you're working with a client or you know, at, at your kids' games um, or watching them flourish in, in the world of business? How does that identity of peace as you move forward with that, how does that show up today? Yeah, that's, a, that's another great question. The first thing I want to say is, is for the, the housewife, you know, the, the, the single mother of two or um, who's listening, um, you have no less value, um, no less identity than a CEO who's making seven figures, right? The, um, and, and that comes back to there's a, a difference between who we are and what we do. The piece came 
when I stopped measuring my identity based on my accomplishments, my accolades, um, what I could accumulate, um, and frankly, even how many times I could positively impact somebody. Um, it, it, I, I no longer measure my identity on that. And now I simply measure it on how often do I reach into the toolbox and use something, again, not anything that's not there. I'm not worried about trying to be or trying to do, but am I using the tools in my toolbox? That's my identity. So like what I'm no longer worried about what I can accomplish with the tools in my toolbox. It's just about, am I using it? Am I hmm. using it every day to the fullest extent that I'm supposed to, that I'm equipped to be? It's uh, so that I feel like that's the message for every one of us. You, you were talking earlier about, about programs that like so often we sign up for this degree or this program or, or, I'm, I want to attain that goal because then I will be finally good enough or I'll finally my identity will be, you know, when, when that's, when I'm chasing my identity in those external things, it's never enough. Feels good for the moment, but it isn't long before that, that wanes, that feeling wanes. And then I've got to chase the next thing to validate who I am. The, the message for every one of us is you already are awesome. You already are great. As you sit there today, you already are. You already have this amazing toolbox that is stacked. It's like, I mean, it's hard to get the lid on because there's so many tools in there. You already are. Now, if I start comparing my toolbox to anybody else, I'm going to feel inadequate, right? That's where arrogance might come in is I look at my toolbox you know, I'm a little bit more persuasive than you are. Therefore, I'm I'm a big deal. No, I don't have to be more or less than anybody else. You can be hilarious. You can be passionate and persuasive. We can both do that together and and just be using the tools in our toolbox. So for me, the the when I stopped chasing the accolades and just I made the focus how many times can I reach into my toolbox and just own what's already there, own my own greatness and use it, not with arrogance, it's not about me, but with humble confidence to impact whoever it is that I'm, that I'm talking to or interacting with. That's where I measure my identity is, is if I'm doing that and you know, the accolades, if they come awesome, that doesn't improve or enhance my identity. And if they don't come, that's okay. It's nice to hear the accolades, but not getting the accolades didn't diminish or detract from my identity because mm -hmm. my identity, I'm taking the same toolbox home with me that I brought into the situation and it's already amazing. It's great. So that really was the, the turning point for me was uh, just every day that my feet hit the floor, my, that means my work's not done. I, I, I believe we don't get called home until our work's done. So when my feet hit the floor, that means I'm supposed to bring my toolbox into every situation today and, and just be exactly who I am. Be ordinary me and let the chips fall where they may. Each and every one of you listening, I hope you hear that. You have a toolbox that you were created to use. You've got tools, you've got gifts, that you, you've got talents that you were meant to use. 
Stop, stop going to a house. Here's the analogy. Stop going to the house with your plumber's toolkit and saying, you know what? I think I might be able to fix that electrical right there. Right. You, weren't, you weren't built to fix the electrical. You were built to fix the plumbing. And right. guess what? Someone <clears throat> needs some plumbing today. Someone, you might be in the electrical side of things. Guess what? Someone needs some electrical today. Right. I, I love this idea of, you even said it so eloquently. Make sure you go back, listen to this again, because there's so many great things that Patrick said on here. But one of the things that I really love that you just said, it's not a measurement of what I do, and it's not even a measurement of how I serve others and show up for others, right? Because sometimes we go, oh, well, I didn't make a big enough difference in that person's life, so therefore I didn't accomplish who I was. No, 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 nay, nay. At the end of the day, the question is, are you showing up as you, not someone else. And that's Amen. all you can do. That's all you can do today. I want to thank you so much for jumping on and really sharing your story, being transparent enough to allow everyone to hear what you've gone through, who you've become. And man, I, I do want to encourage you, go check out uh, Patrick. He is such an incredible human uh, just to follow. You know, he has faults just like everyone else, but he yes, truly do. is an awesome guy. So <laughs> thank you all for listening. Remember to like, subscribe, share this episode with a friend. You know that someone in your immediate circles would truly be uplifted by hearing what Patrick has said today. So with that, until next time, remember to be more, see more. We'll experience more together.